Hello and welcome to the third and final episode of our mini-series on the O-Word exploring Welsh National Opera's new 1950s operetta, Blaze of Glory, and the male voice choir tradition that has inspired it. My name's Michael Graham Court, and following on from my conversations with the director, conductor and cast of this work, I'm very pleased to be talking in this episode with three members of the community male voice choirs who will be performing alongside the WNO company on each night of the Blaze of Glory tour. Mayrick Price joins us from Dowlice Male Voice Choir, who will be performing on our opening two dates in Cardiff. And Tony Keir and Geraint York are part of Blynavon Male Voice Choir, who will be performing alongside WNO at the Bristol Hippodrome in April. Gents, a very, very warm welcome to you all. Um, I'm really pleased to have the opportunity to find out a little bit more about your choirs and male voice choir singing more generally and how you're feeling about your forthcoming performances with WNO. Not everybody listening to this podcast might be familiar with Dowlice and Blynavon. So please, could you just start off by telling us a little bit more about the places you're from? Maybe, maybe if you could tell us a little yes, bit about Dowlice. You. Yes, uh, representing Dowlice Mail Choir. Uh, Dowlice is situated in the borough of Merthyr Tidwell, 24 miles north of Cardiff, uh, mainly an industrial town. Uh, steelworks, coal mines, long gone, all of them, obviously. Um, it's an excellent community. We have um, three male choirs in the town. Uh, we have a ladies' choir and a mixed choir, so operatic society and drama. So it's a real community. Not everybody in Merthyr thinks that way, mine, but uh, I think it's the nicer side of it anyway. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you very much. And Tony and Geraint, do you want to tell us a little bit about Blynavon? Yeah, certainly. Um, Blynavon is at the top of um, Torvine, most decent valley in uh, South Wales, mm. uh, six miles from Pontypool and um, Abgrenny. And as we like to say, um, if you go, keep going up the valley where you come to the mountain, we're about to drop off, you hit Blenavon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small town uh, of around 7,000 population now. It was formed because of the sulphur content and, and being top of the mountain, they could bring water in as well. Mm. So it all came all in the mix of uh, forming a big pet. And as the town grew, the male voice choir grew. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's how it's formed originally. In many respects, I'm um, I'm sort of an outsider, really. Um, I'm not from Blenavon. Um, mm. I came to know about Blenavon because I, I worked there back in in the eighties when I first started to work for NatWest, and I came up every day to work in the in the little sub branch and and sat with a old fellow, Mister Day, who who really introduced me to uh, the community of Blenavon and what it all meant, etc. And in many respects, that was the first time I got to know about the choir as well as and the importance of it uh, within the community you know it, the choir started in 1910 I think it was although there's records going back to the 1870s when they were singing parties as, the, as they mm. were called but the one thing that has struck me since joining only a few years ago is how important the choir is to to the members some of them have been involved for 40 50 60 years which is an incredible commitment over that time and the one thing that has struck me uh, also is indeed the the community spirit within within the town and it's clear when we're doing the concerts uh, you know around the various parts of Blenavon how it is important it is for the people that come and watch us and how much they enjoy it. Mayrig is that a similar story in in Dowlice? Yeah very well? similar um, the present choir was formed in 1965 
and I'm very proud of telling Tony earlier that I'm the last founder member. Yes. Last man standing type of thing. <laughs> so I've been in Dowlesquay for 57 years. Mm. Um, there was another choir preceding that, but because of the, the First World War and the 1924 Industrial Revolution, that choir disbanded. And for years, people are saying, when are we going to have another male choir in Dowlesquay? Mm. Uh, it took us a while, but then there was a, a doyen of music, B.T. Davis, who was our founder conductor. He had won the national with the ladies' choir, a mixed choir, and with us, with the male choir. So we finally persuaded him, come on, let's let's have a go. So there were 13 of us in the first rehearsal, and within three months we were up to 70, 80. Um, when we won the national in 73, we were up to 120. Wow. Now mm. we're down to about 45. Mm. Um, can't attract youngsters. You know, the, the youngsters that come in to try it, the type of youngster that comes in usually goes off to university and probably never comes back to Merthyr to live anyway. Mm. So we lose that uh, generation. So it is difficult to keep going, but as they say, Amor Heed, we're still there. <laughs> exactly, <know>? Amor Heed. <laughs> Why was it that you personally wanted to join a male voice choir? What was drawing you towards it? Well, I've always been interested in male choirs. I mean, when we had the big choirs come to do concerts in the locality and there were a group of us working in the Stublix, we were always there and we just couldn't get enough of it. So that group then banded together in 65 and said, come on, we've got to give it a go. Hmm. And from there it started, from in, in the Stublix. And uh, as I say, 13 of us and we, six, 57 years on, we're still going. I wouldn't <laughs> say going strong, but we feel we're going strong. <laughs> so, so Garen, I'm assuming you've, you've not been a member of the Male Voice Choir in, in Blenavon for not quite, quite a hundred years. No. Long. No. <laughs> I've been in uh, for, what, seven, eight years now. Mm. Um, I've always been attracted to the Male Voice Choir because my family has got a history in the choir. Uh, my granddad was a life member six, for 60-odd years. My father was a life member for 60-odd years. Mm. And uh, as you grown up, it was tradition almost to go to the annual concert uh, and, 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 and see the choir, see my dad and grandfather perform. And um, it's one of those things. I think you always think, I'll do that one day. I'll do that one day. And um, I don't think it's, uh, like Marina said, you, you grow up, you go to university, and unless you actually come back and you've got that link uh, to then join, it's difficult to attract new members. What attracted me was I thought, do you know what, I'm going to give it a go. I, why not? Mm. And um, I think I was uh, harassed into it psychologically because my, uh, my Blenheim had an open day to attract new members. And... Um, Dad had to take somebody, so he took my seven-year-old son. <laughs> <laughs> so my seven-year-old son loved it, enjoyed it, uh, and I thought, well, why not? This is the time to do it, and I, you know, I'm, mm. I'm going to take him. And uh, for a good four or five years, there was three of us in the choir mm. at the same time. And, and it's at those moments in your life, you think, actually, I'm glad he joined. Mm. And I think that's the overwhelming... Uh, Pat and I've heard since being in the choir with new members, young or old, they say, I, I wish I'd done this five, ten years ago, mm. you know, because there's no other feeling to sing in front of an audience and the buzz. Mm. And I think the tradition of the choirs, uh, it's just that voice that raises the hairs on the back of your neck. Mm. It certainly did when I was young, when I was in, in, you know, in the audience. 
there's not a lot of um, organisations or clubs or groups in Blenavon. Um So out of that, there's not a lot of groups that's well known beyond you know beyond Blenavon. But certainly the choir has a fantastic reputation. And I, and I gotta be honest, I didn't really appreciate how much until I joined. Mm. And you mm. go off, and, and and the reputation goes. Where you meet other choirs and other choristers and other other parties like WNO, and they you, they feud a Blenavon. Mm. And I'd often have oh fantastic choir in the sixties, or they did a fantastic tour in Hungary in the eighties, or they've been to America twice. You know, and you learn that, and it's it's part of your heritage, and it makes me proud. Mayrig, is that something you try to? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, you, when you go away to do concerts, tours, or in the UK, um, you usually get exiles from Blind Avenue, yes. from Dublin, they come because I lived there. It reminds me, we, we did the tour of Bulgaria, and we were in the Communist Party headquarters in Sofia. And the conductor said, everywhere we go, there is somebody in this audience yes. from Merthyr. But he said, tonight, no chance. And the voice from the back said, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the boys was in the choir. His sister who lived in Greece, travelled up to Sofia to come to the concert. Yeah. So we still had somebody in Bulgaria who came from Dallas. <laughs> it, it is funny because Blenheim went on tour back um, in the early 90s to America. Uh, they've done a couple of tours there now. But they went to, again, South Carolina, North Carolina. And as you said, I mean, every time they had a, to- uh, a concert, you know, wherever it was, somebody had a link to Blenavon. Yeah, and it's, it is it's unreal, absolutely unreal it how, is, how far the reach it's is. It's like if the exiles saw, I want to go back home. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. And they identify themselves with the area that we come from. And and I, it's an interesting point, actually, for that, because I, you know, I'm not, as I said earlier, I'm not from uh, Blenavon. And one of the things that I'm keen to do, you talk about the heritage of, of choirs, is actually to take the choir out further afield, you know, and to start doing uh, not just the concerts, but maybe a practice in a, in a certain area to try and attract, you know, you've seen the success of, you know, the only men allowed, boys allowed, etc. Mm. There are these youngsters, you know, we, talking about the problem, the distractions that the kids have these days and trying to get them to commit. But the, the success of those sorts of other areas of singing, to me says, there is an audience out there. How now, and if we are going to protect this heritage, of male voice singing in choirs, those that have been involved for a long time, in my view, have got to go out and start seeking them. I think the days of expecting people to walk in through the room, into mm, the yeah. practice room, are gone. We will have to work a lot harder to do it. But the, the the enjoyment and the rewards for doing it, from what I've seen and, and what I've, you know, had personally, um, are, are, are just fantastic. And, and I, might, I just feel part of what I want to do is to get that enjoyment, a sense of achievement across to other people. Say, look, do what I did. And I use the strap line, if I can, you can. I mean, we often hear about the sort of decline of, of male voice choirs. Um, and it's seen as a really challenging time um, for the tradition. I mean, particularly, as you mentioned, COVID earlier, mm. it's been a really tough few few years um, for, for holding any kind of, yeah. of choir together. But do you have cause for optimism then for the future of male voice choir singing? Absolutely. You, you're absolutely right to, to say COVID was difficult. You know, I, I learned my singing with a mask on. You know, mm. that is incredibly hard and you have to be, you know, really keen to do it. Um, you only have to uh, look at what happens at the rugby internationals. You see the passion that's sung before the start of the match. You see and hear how well the national anthem 
is is sung. You hear the uproar when songs are banned, and then the crowd, whether it's inside the stadium or outside, you know, singing in Wales is is part of our tradition. So I I, I just think it's possibly a bit sleeping at the moment, and it needs to be you know woken up. We are the lowest that we've no, we've gone up. We did go down to about thirty two something like that, but we have built up to back up to about forty five. But trying to attract people to come in, and you tell them, you know, well. The fun you get out of it, mm. not just the fun. The who, well, it's your social life, and it takes over. And you know, I just say to people, give it a go. And mm. if you don't like it, the door. You know, it's you're not locked in. You know. Mm. And then when people do come, the first thing they say, and I think Garrett, you mentioned it. I wish you had done this years ago. Mm. Oh, totally. But how to yeah. get it around to tell these people, okay, do it now. Could I just ask you, just before we move on um, more to discuss the actual production that we've got on and your participation in it, if I could ask you for one favourite memory from your time um, in your respective choirs. Merrick, this is a very unfair question for you, I think. Let's start with you there, and there see if you been, can narrow there, it down. There have been so many, you know, that uh, we could take up the rest of the evening talking about it. And I've been asked this often, and I give the same answer every time. We did a concert tour in Holland, and we went to the Arnhem Bridge. And once we got there, there was a military cemetery. And our chairman at the time said, let's see if we can find a grave of a Welsh airman, soldier, neighbor. We did. And it was a Sunday morning, beautiful Sunday morning. Nobody else in the cemetery, just us, about 70 of us. Mm. And we sang our Hedonos. I've never seen so many men wiping their eyes after finishing in. Mm. And to me, that's what it's all about. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, your choir's had such an amazing history. Yeah. Like, you've you've been iced effort winners, and you've even gone into space. Yeah. And <laughs> um, I was expecting you to give one of those, but that's a really interesting well, that, kind that of is, personal I mean, the national response. win was obviously brilliant. Yeah. But that yeah. one, in, and then yeah. in Harnham, it was, yeah. that just yeah. hits you there. Just to say, when I say you've been into space as well, it's not... A recording of the quiet A recording has been into space. You <laughs> blasted 40 Welshmen into, into space, yeah. Um, uh, what about you, Tony and Geraint? What would your personal highlights be uh, with Blind Avon? I will never forget, and I've spoken a lot about it, which was the, the first major concert that, that we did outside of Blind Avon, which was the Hay on White uh, in May last year. And for a complete novice that I was, obviously very nervous, um, in front of, I think it was about 400 people, and you know there were people standing at the back of, of this marquee as well. But to have uh, a standing ovation and shouts of more, more encore, etc., to somebody who really only three months earlier had walked into that room after COVID, to have that, I, I was just astounded, and I will never ever forget that. I probably start saying if I was my granddad, it'd be the concert in Hungary, much to how my was saying. Hmm. If I was my dad, it was definitely in the tour to America, and um, two similar stories where uh, in the airport the airline had been delayed, so they start the choir just got up and started <laughs> singing just to pass the time. As you do. As you do. Um likewise, um in another America when they was waiting down the maid of the mist to get on the maid of the mist and I thought, why not? 
strum up and, and, and start singing. Um, and, um, and my family's reiterating those memories to me. That attachment to the choir is always there for me. But my personal one got to be um, when we sang the Six Nations um, for, uh, in, in the, as the main choir um, for the Scotland game mm. in 2017. Um, I was there. I'd only been in the choir for um, a year or two, I think. Um, but that was time to do something that hit the heart in a full stadium in, mm. you know, in, in Wales. When my when my dad one side of me and my my son the other side of wow. me, yeah, and I'll never get that back. Mm. But it's always it, it's in always in my heart mm. and always in my mind, you know. And whenever I have any problems in in work or life, I always actually go back to that memory mm. and and how Wales can ever play bad <laughs> <laughs> in that stadium <laughs> when the roof is closed with a full house, yeah. you know and. And my son, he's he's a teenager now, but he still says, oh, it was a great day, Dad, that was brilliant. And as I was walking around the pitch, my head teacher was uh, in the crowd waving <laughs> to me. <laughs> you know, and I think whatever you do in life, it's those moments that hit mm. you, and that's, what, that's why life is worth living. Yeah. So that's what, that's what sticks with me. That's what will always stick with me. That's the impression I'm getting from talking to you, is that these, these choirs offer, offer so much more beyond just just just, just music singing, yeah. and of course you've got a brand new opportunity now and we're collaborating with with your choirs and um, you're going to be performing with the WNO cast and the WN orchestra in this new production Blaze of Glory which is you know inspired yeah. by you basically yeah. you know the, the the whole male voice choir um, tradition and everybody's really excited that you're going to be taking part in this, what was your choir's reaction to being asked to participate in a, a production by Welsh National Opera? Help. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was, a, I mean, for me personally, it was a bit of fascination because I used to, to work in Cardiff and, and I'd go and watch WNO. Uh, you know, having, it, it, it was almost mystical thinking, actually, how can you join what appeared to be two very distinct, different pieces of or, or style of music. How is it all yeah. going to join up? Yeah. And then there was the intrepidation of amateurs versus, you know, <laughs> professionals, as it were. How 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 are we going to be received? Then there was the nerves: Are we good enough? You know, and and you know, have we got the right balance? How are we going to learn this? You know, um, but now. For me, it, it, it's about, oh, yeah, I actually want to see how it's all linked together, um, dress rehearsals, you know, everything that, you know, we, we'll be going from music sheets and bashing notes out to actually, oh, we, this is this is, this is is it. So it's a fascination for me. I think they're quite, uh, are quite excited. Mm. Yeah, and, and as time is coming and um, as my has seen, before we started the podcast, that you know, you get over Christmas and then you pick up the music and 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 bash the notes out, and as time is getting ticking on and we are coming close, I think the excitement is building, mm. and um, I I I back what Tony said in terms of uh, how do we bring two different forms of entertainment and music together? I think in the beginning it was the fear of the unknown, you know, 
as Tony said, are we good enough? Um, are we going to enhance the reputation of the choir? Or are we going to yeah. push yeah, it back 10 point, years? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it is something completely new to us. Um, we, although we knew two out of the three pieces, but the arrangements that had been rearranged, I don't know how <laughs> we're going to get back to it after all this is over. <laughs> but that's something we'll have to do. But I think, and there were a lot of people saying, oh, we, we're not going to do We're never going to do this. But gradually, up until last night, when the old team came up, Mm-hmm. And they said, "That's fine," and we and our MD, she's worked worked her socks off. She has really worked hard to get us through it, and she got to take a lot of credit for this. But we are we can't wait to get on that stage now and give it a go. What our team have said about the Dowlice rehearsals, Mayrig, they're more than fine. They're really you know delighted with with how it's um, sounding, and they were particularly delighted that you dragged the whole team off to the pub after the rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, you can cut that out, can't you? <laughs> Um, and I'm sure Blind Avon will be exactly the same. I know how hard all of these choirs have been working. Yeah, to. You don't know how hard they drink. <laughs> um, what are you most looking forward to about the, the performance? And leading on from that, what do you hope those watching will take away from seeing you perform? Well, I think it's obviously performing with professionals. Mm. Um, Tony mentioned amateur and professional. Yes, we're amateurs, but our performance on stage is professional. Yeah. yeah. And we want to see how the, the real professionals do it. I mean, Jeff, Jeff Lloyd Roberts, we've known Jeff for a long time. Um, we know now he's come up, you know, from the school. He won our, we have a bursary every year. And he he told us last night, he won it in 1984, hmm. our bursary. So, and he's, look, so I, and as he said last night, if I can do it, you can do it. And I just hope that the people who are watching it sit back in their seats and say, if we want this to continue, we've got to go out there and help as well. So come along yeah. and have a go. And continue the tradition and keep our uh, heritage going. I hope that's what will happen. I, I In a similar vein, I just hope, uh, first and foremost, the audience can enjoy the performance. Uh, you don't often get an opera with male voice choirs. Um, so, you know, that's a unique... Um, experience for the audience as well as us as performers and then second on that I would say hopefully you'll uh, stick one of their hairs up on their neck, they'll get their heart beating a bit and, and, and they think actually I'll give it a go you know, and, and you don't have to go far in Wales before you come across a male voice <laughs> choir so even now you know, so um, you know, hopefully the, the Male voice choirs can grow for out of it, out of the uh, performances. And what about you, Tony? Any final thoughts on what you're most looking forward to? Um, I think I'd really say is is looking forward to saying I was there, I was part of that, I was part of um, a performance where there were full time professional singers versus the part time amateurs, and you know what. We did it, we achieved it. Um, all being well, that's what will happen on on the night. <laughs> Touch wood. Touch wood. There's no there's no mistakes. But ultimately, what this is what is this all about? Why do we do it? We do it for enjoyment, for a start, for us as individuals, but ultimately as well for for the audience. So we want them to go away thinking, you know what, that was good. Yeah. We enjoyed it. They enjoyed it, and to come out of it that we can say, this is what if you you know why why do you want to come and sing? 
You know, it's not just sat in a room singing. It's actually, you know, you might be traveling somewhere, you might be doing something different, and this is something different. So it, if it builds the reputation of the choir, fantastic. If it means we can get more members, fantastic. Even better. Even better. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's for me, it's it's going to be it's going to be nerve wracking. <laughs> you know, but it's going to be. You know what? I did that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think what's going to be really special about this production is. Well, you've talked about the sort of amateur professional divide. Obviously, we've got our professional um, opera singers here at WNO. But from talking to the cast and, you know, particularly the male chorus, who are obviously highlighted in this production for obvious reasons, they as individuals or um, similar to you, Geraint, they're fathers or their grandfathers have their singing roots in the male voice choir tradition. Mm. And I think it's going to be really... An amazing thing to sort of join those two yeah. worlds together. Yeah. Thank you, all three of you, for joining Pleasure. me for this Thank conversation. You for I could have sat here and talked to you um, for much, much longer. Can make two or three weeks worth. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, you know what? That's the one thing about actually quiet, just as, as an end piece. Is there's one thing is that people want to talk. They want to talk stories. You know, it's not just about the singing. Do you remember when we did that? When we did that, you know, w- when we went there, and do you remember we got that wrong? And that was brilliant. And you know, the afterglow, as we refer to having a beer, that's that that's great as well. That's I, think, I think I think the end piece is all important, isn't it? Yeah. The afterglow is all important. <laughs> 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 well, hopefully, people will have an afterglow um, after listening to you um, talk on this podcast. And that brings us to the end of our journey exploring Blaze of Glory. I really hope that you've enjoyed learning more about this fantastic new operetta and that you'll be able to join us and see these choirs perform on one of our tour dates. Thanks once again go to Caroline Clegg, Stevie Higgins, Nafisatu Batu Darami and Mark Llewellyn Evans for joining me on previous episodes. And a special thank you to Meirig, Tony and Gerrit for taking part in this episode and telling us more about Blynavon, Dowlice, and what it's like to be part of a male voice choir today. For more information about Blaze of Glory and other WNO productions, including The Magic Flute, Condide, and our autumn season, please visit wno.org.uk. Keep an eye out for future episodes of The O Word, and in the meantime, why not take a listen back to our back catalogue, where you can find out more about the inner workings of the WNO company and the wider wonderful world of opera. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.